Down the Line Podcast with Tyler Hunt. It's storming outside because Brian Kelly's just raining in these recruits. That's a go, Tigers. You know, Joe Burrow, he was the one. (laughs) What's Brian Kelly going to do? I don't know. And now your host of Down the Line, Tyler Hunt. Hello and welcome to episode number 148 of Down the Lines. As always, I'm your host, Tyler Hunt. And on this episode, we are going to talk about fall camp. We are in the second week of fall camp. There's some position battles that haven't been settled, but you're kind of seeing where things are going. Um, We're going to talk about the quarterback. We're going to talk about the O-line. We're going to talk about defense. And the media was able to get to practice yesterday, see the entire practice for the first time since the late 90s. And there was a whole bunch of stuff that the media – people following the program have come out and said, and I'm going to get, get get you caught up, get you my take on it. Um, big quarterback commit for the Tigers. We will touch on that. Uh, we'll touch on special teams for the first time, and the coaches poll was released with the Tigers not on it. So I will give you my reaction about that, if it's good, if it's bad, or just how I think about it, maybe the coaches poll entirely. But starting with fall camp, like I said, yesterday the media was able to get out to camp, which is great because – you get videos, you get f- like firsthand of who the the first set on offense was, first O line, first team, first first team as it is today. Now we still have 18, 19, 20 days till practice. I mean till uh <laughs> until game one. I think it's twenty two, twenty two games till the first game of the season. So all of these positions are still open now. Defensive tackle, well, the first string defensive line seems to be settled with Allie Gay, um, Jacqueline Roy, Mason Smith, B.J. Ojolari, but the rest of the defense seems to be in flux on offense. You know that Kayshawn uh, Booty and Jack Besh, Brian Thomas, Malik Neighbors are going to be your first wide receivers out there. You know that it's going to be probably between John Emery and Noah Kane, which one of the things yesterday was, no, or really this week, has been Noah Kane has been getting a lot of first-team reps, which I think that, personally, I believe that Emery, Kane, and Armani Goodwin are going to share that backfield heavily. They all do a little bit different things, and... Don't count. Uh, don't don't count the walk on out either. Uh, Williams, don't count him out. He 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 brings a lot to this team as well. I heard yesterday in practice that he picked up um, a big blitz in uh, in pass protection. So you know, whenever he's out there, he averaged about four yards a carry last year. He actually is your leading returner in yards and. So the running back, you know, you, you know that all the running backs are going to play. Now, the question everybody's looking at is quarterback, obviously. Yesterday, Jaden Daniels, as been reported, was taking most of the first team reps. And so what's interesting is all the reports 
before this um, about the other practices was that Garrett Nussmeyer was taking a bunch of the first-team reps with Daniel second, Brennan third. Yesterday, it was Daniels and Brennan, and then it came out after practice that Nussmeyer, dealing with a little bit of an injury, he wasn't out there for for the 11 versus 11 portion of practice, but he was doing individual drills. He, he was doing the drills where he didn't have to run, so really didn't have a chance to get hit. So they're nursing something with Nussmeyer. That's something to look at. Um, is it going to set him back? Is it not going to set him back? Does that give Brennan a chance to uh, hop up ahead of him? I don't know, but I, I also believe that this quarterback battle, as I've said, is wide open. If you listen if you listen to the media, they all want to say that Daniels is going to be the starter because they brought him in, he started a lot of games, and he could run the ball, he could run the ball, he could run the ball. Here's where I'm at. I think that the offensive line will determine who the starting quarterback is. Let me explain. I believe that Jaden Daniels, is the best rusher, is the best dual-threat quarterback on this team. Now, reports from camp. Daniels has not been the most accurate of passers, but he gives you an explosion from the running back position, running the ball. There was a report yesterday about a, a play where there was an errant snap. Daniels reached out, tipped it up to himself, rolled out, completed a pass downfield, something that Brennan or Nussmeyer might not have been able to do, might not have been able to get to the ball, might not have been able to roll around, uh, roll out, probably been sacked. That is where Jaden Daniels would be able to start, is if the offensive line is not very good. If the offensive line is bad, you need Jaden Daniels because you need somebody that can scramble like that. You need somebody that can scramble no matter what. You need someone who can make a play when they have no time. That's where Jaden Daniels will fit in here if the offensive line doesn't gel and isn't that good. However, listening to uh, T-Bob Bear on the morning show this morning, he was saying, uh, him and Jacob Hester, they were both saying that the offensive line was way better than they anticipated. They, they, the offensive line, obviously, is the biggest question of this entire team. How the offensive line goes will probably be how this entire team goes. But they said that they went into practice – Thinking that the offensive line was going to be not not even just somewhat like not, not terrible, but they didn't think the offensive line was going to be able to hold up against what should be a dominant defensive front. They said they held their own. Um, so if that's the case, if if this offensive line can hold its own, can develop into a average to good offensive line and give the quarterback a little bit of time to throw, that's where Miles Brennan can come in here. Because if the offensive line is good enough, you need somebody with the arm talent that Brennan has and possibly Nussmeyer has to get the ball to the best playmakers on this team, which are the wide receivers. Now, John Emery and Noah Kane can probably be really good playmakers. But any one of the three can hand the ball off. If your offensive line is giving you three seconds to throw the ball every play, they become a good offensive line. They mesh. They're doing well. But Daniels can't hit the wide receivers in stride. That's 
Yes, he gives you a whole dynamic by running the ball. But if he cannot get the ball to the wide receivers, you are losing half of the offense. You are losing the ability of a big play just because you want the quarterback to run. From all the all the videos that I've seen and everything that I've I've heard, all the highlight all the highlight throws have come from Miles Brennan. If Jaden Daniels can't get the ball to the best playmakers, I don't care that he can run. I really don't. You don't have to run to be a good quarterback. How many times did Joe Burrow run? Not a lot. He ran when he had to run. That's where I think Nussmeyer fits in here is if Nussmeyer is healthy, I don't know how big this injury is that he has. I don't think it's that big, or it probably would have been a bigger news story. Nussmeyer can run, and he can make all the throws. Whichever one of these three quarterbacks is the most accurate, that's the one that I want as my quarterback if the offensive line is serviceable. If the offensive line is terrible, put Jaden Daniels in there because we need someone that can make a play. That's my take on the quarterback battle. But also, if you want me at, I don't think that the offensive line is going to be bad. I think that this offensive line, yeah, you have 12, 15 players that can play, and there's not really a big drop-off whenever you go from first string to second string, except for Will Campbell at left tackle as a true freshman starting, so he's going to take some lumps, but he's going to be your starting tackle for the next 36 regular season games, plus however many postseason games you play. He's there. He's solidified. He'll be a top-five pick, probably. The rest of the offensive line, it doesn't really matter. You need five of them to jail. You need five of them to listen to what Brad Davis says, and I think that while not, none of them have stood out as all-American caliber, as pro-potential picks, I think that you have 12 to 15 guys that are college serviceable, that if you put five of them in there and they start to gel and they know who to block and where to block, they'll be the quarterback will be able to get the ball out. A quarterback will be able to give the ball to the wide the, to the uh, running backs. Will be able to get the ball to the wide receivers, and you'll be able to be competent on offense, unlike you were the last couple of years. Defensively, I'm really excited to see this defense because, from what I've heard from practice, there's a ton of players that are that are getting in there and running in and out and playing a bunch of snaps. Whenever you look at the defensive backs on this team, there's about 17 or 18 different players who I've heard run with the first or second strings. I've heard uh, Greg uh, Greg Brooks, Joe Fusha running with the second team. Those are SEC returning starters. Yes, they were at Arkansas, but they've started – 30-something games at Arkansas in the SEC on on a team last year that won 10 games, mind you. So that's people who are running with second teams. I've heard Major Burns is taking a big step forward. I heard Sage Ryan, the former five-star, he's taking a big step forward. You know what Jay Ward brings you. On the outside, you've got 
Jarek Bernard Converse. You've got Seven Banks and Makai Garner. They've kind of been right there on the first first string. But he, a name that's come up s- since yesterday's practice when the media was there is Colby Richardson. I didn't even have him in the cornerback's preview. That's a grad transfer from McNeese. And if you remember, Frank Wilson came back to LSU from McNeese. So he knows how good Colby Richardson is. He would not have said, let's bring him in unless he thought that he could play. He was running with the first and second string at the while, while the media was at practice yesterday. So that Colby Richardson, that's a name to just keep in your mind because you might see him. Makai Garner, Seven Banks, Jared Bernard, Converse, LaTerrence Welch. There's a bunch of there, there's a bunch of names that that we know that we have seen, and it's going to be very very interesting from what from reports for camp is every single play two to three guys were running off the field and two or three more were coming in. So a couple things about that. One is if you have 10 to 15 defensive backs that can play and they can switch out and run in every other play, you're going to have fresh legs back there. You want the same thing with the defensive line, and what we've heard is that the defensive line is very, very deep. You know that the the front the front end of the defensive line could be all SEC, could be very, very dominant. Second, The second string, Makai Wingo, he's been one of the best camp performers. He's been one of the best uh, performers at – through workouts, so you know what he has coming in. A freshman All-SEC last year at Missouri, Jacoby and Guillory. That's another big body up front. You, hear, I've heard great things about Desmond Little being right behind BGO Jalari. So defensive line, you see depth there. So that'll be somewhere where you can have fresh bodies roll in. At the linebacker spot, this is a, this is a spot that was one of the biggest question marks on the team. Brian Kelly is saying this is – so, seems to be it's going to turn into one of the strengths of the team depth-wise because you got five-star Harold Perkins as a freshman who's going to play. Wes Weeks, who's a guy that really hasn't been talked about much, he's been in there on some first and second team reps. You know what Baskerville gives you. You know what Mike Jones gives you. And Greg Penn has been the talk of the linebacker room since the spring. So there's a bunch of names there. Defensively, I'm very excited to see how this team meshes and plays because I think defensively is where this team might have to hold, like hang its hat because one of the amount of players of the depth you have on defense, two of the top tier players because – on the defensive line, you have Mason Smith, you have Ali Gay, you have Jacqueline Roy. All could be all SEC players. In the linebacker room, you have Greg Penn, who's supposed to be the next in a line of great linebackers at LSU. You have B.J. Ojolari, you have Mike Jones, Micah Baskerville, who've come back with a bunch of experience. So there's good players there. And then in the defensive backfield, you have Jay Ward, who was one of the best players on the defense last year. You get Jarrett Bernard Converse, who four-year starter, all Big 12 caliber talent. He's now going to be starting at one of the 
defensive back positions. You get um, Sage Ryan, former five-star. So, no matter where you look on the defense, there's players who could turn out to be all-SEC, possible all-American talents. If those mesh, and if you get one to two guys on each level at that caliber, your defense is going to be one of the best in the country. It does, like you know, you hear what I'm saying? Now, if one player on each one of those levels is all SEC and the rest of them are serviceable, your defense is 20 times better than it was the last two seasons when it was horrible. So the defense is exciting. Moving on to recruiting news. Wednesday night, LSU got commitment from Woodlawn quarterback Ricky Collins. And I know a lot of people are like, hey, they missed on some high-profile guys. They don't get Arch Manning. They don't get Eli Holstein. They get Ricky Collins, who's the third-best quarterback in this in the state in this class. In a, in a state that's actually historically bad at quarterbacks. This year, that's different. And if you look at Ricky Collins and you watch any of Ricky Collins' films, one, he's in the mold that Mike Dembrock, Brian Kelly like, dual threat guy. He can run the ball, but he has a very, very, very talented arm. At the Elite 11 in California over the summer, he was one of the best performers there. And that's somewhere where Arch Manning was, where Eli Holstein was. And they said that Ricky Collins was one of the best performers at the Elite 11. He was part of the Elite Elite 11, and he's ranked, what was it, 12th nationally, 13th nationally, but he's part of the Elite 11. So put on that what you want. But Ricky Collins is a big commit. And part of his commitment is Shelton Sampson recruiting for this team. Five-star wide receiver, he gets committed. He is like Ricky Come on over, join the boat. Kylan Jackson, safety from Zachary, he's committing tomorrow. It chances are he picks LSU as well. So from a month ago, whenever you had no commits, one one commit, I believe, from Louisiana, you now have six, seven of the top 15, top 16 players in Louisiana, which is what you want to see. Um, I was looking back at some previous classes last night, and the last time LSU didn't have half of the four stars from the state of Louisiana committed to us was in 2016 when Les Miles was fired and then not fired and then kind of fired and Edward took over. So, like, then, after that, Oris Ron was like, we're going to put a fence around the state. Brian Kelly is continuing that, and he's getting very quality players. Just because they're in the top 15 Louisiana doesn't mean they're bad. Louisiana is one of the deepest states in the country for talent. Like I said, top 16, top 17. That's all four-star, top 300 players in the country. Brian Kelly now has seven or eight of them with another couple of them set to commit soon. 
so we can we we can finish this recruiting class with nine or ten of the top players in Louisiana, which is how you get a top five class in the country, which is where LSU belongs. It, it, it not only where LSU needs to be, but where LSU belongs. Moving on to special teams, this is really going to be a question. The only certainty is that Jay Bramblett, transfer punter from Notre Dame, is going to be your punter. He started there for three years. He's averaged over 40 yards a punt. He's going to be your punter. Uh, place kicker? Kickoff specialist? <laughs> that's a good question. There's three or four guys in the running for that. That's going to be something that goes throughout fall camp that we don't know who it's going to be, but whenever kickoff comes and we see what number's running out there, we're going to look at the roster and tell you who it is because you'll be just as surprised as I am because that's not something that's terribly covered a lot. However, LSU and the coaches poll. So the coaches poll came out, and not surprisingly, to me at least, LSU was not ranked. If you look at the others receiving votes, they received like 255 votes, which was good enough for 30th. So obviously not the top 25. Others receiving votes, you count them, 30th. I believe that's where LSU should be. If you look at Athlon Sports or Phil Steele or a bunch of other uh, publications that have released top 25s and others receiving votes, LSU's not even mentioned on there. So the fact that the coaches actually have them at 30, I believe one is more respect for Brian Kelly because the coaches know that Brian Kelly's going to put a good pro, good team on the field. Two is really more or less where LSU should be. They're coming off a of back-to-back non-winning seasons. They're replacing 90% of the team. They've got transfers everywhere, freshmen starting on the line. The, 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 the top 25 polls is not where LSU should be. Now, with me saying that, what I think is – funny is that Texas and USC are ranked because they shouldn't be. They should not be. I understand why they are ranked. Texas being the fact that their coach has been there for a while. They get transfer Quinn Ewers in. They get a couple of other high-profile transfers. But the fact that USC is up at 15 that's where I really question why USC is in the top 25 and LSU is not in the top 25. Because if you ask me, LSU, Florida, Texas, and USC should all be others receiving votes. Or they should, if, you, if, if they, they must be in the top 25, they all should be tied at 25. USC should not be in the top 25. Texas shouldn't be. And LSU should not be in the top 25. San Diego State should be in the top 25 and not receiving votes. They were 12-2 and last year. They beat, um, they beat Utah, who's preseason ranked top 10, and San Diego State to bring back more players than almost anybody in the country. Why were they not in the top 25? That's the problem with the preseason polls. Now, does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. It's preseason polls. I know that at the end of the season, 
people are going to look back and be like, okay, yeah, um, Utah was number seven. So whenever they play uh, Cal week three and they lose the Cal, it's like, oh, my goodness, Cal is the best team in the world because they beat Utah. No, that's not how it goes. Preseason polls give you a false sense of how good a team is. You know that Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State are really good. You know that Notre Dame's going to have a good team. You know that Texas A&M should be a good team. That's really the other thing that boggles my mind is that Texas A&M is ranked seventh. That's nuts. They were 8-4 and four last year. They don't return a quarterback. The quarterback transferred out. They don't have their starting running back back. They did get the number one recruiting class, and they have all this hype surrounded around them. But there's no premise of why they're number seven. Number 15? Yeah, maybe. But number seven? Ahead of Utah? Who should have been in the... Well, who was... This close to being in the playoff last year? And returns the quarterback? Anyways, I digress. But that'll do it for me here on Down the Lines. Um, next week, I'll get you caught up with what uh what's going on at practice, what's going on around uh, Florida State news. I should probably get back to a little bit of that because Florida State they've been practicing for a week longer than we have and they have a game against Duquesne in 15 days so we will continue trugging along here during talking season and I will catch y'all down the lines.